The following program contains adult situations, gratuitous profanity, casual violence, and politically incorrect violations. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome back. Glad to hear. I want to get off on something that's a little bit more on a, uh, you know, on a self-improvement tip. Let's talk about difficult people. You know, difficult people come in all shapes and sizes, cultures, don't matter. They can be friends, co-workers, or even in your family. Difficult people are, are people who uh, make things real difficult to get along with. They make situations more tense. They're like a walking um, soap opera. Shit always going on around them. Always got some issues. Easy to get mad at you. Old grudges for 99 years. You know what I'm talking about. Especially when it comes to family members. Now, I'm a regular guy. I got difficult people in my family just like everybody else. The family members are the ones that really, really, you know, twist your knots in the inside out because you're kind of conflicted, right? You're like, well, they're a family member. We're related by blood. But on the other hand, they're assholes. I can't stand being around them. Or they make the situation more worse. I never have fun being around them. I don't like talking to them for extended periods of time. You know, that's just how it is with some friends and some family members. Now, if some of you have those type of family members or friends, I'm going to tell you how to deal with them. You're probably not going to like it. They're probably definitely not going to like it. But the ultimate goal here is to be peace with yourself, not to be, you know, rolling your eyes and, you know, looking around like, man, where can I escape what can I, what, where's the win- closest window so I can get the fuck out of here? I can't stand being around them. They're my friends or they're my family members, but I just can't stand them. I, I, I don't want to be here. Let me show you how to deal with people like that. One of the easiest tricks you can use is to lower your exposure to them. What does that mean? Don't fucking be around them for long periods of time. If you have to be around them, if you feel obligated to be around them, fine. But don't be around them for more than 10 minutes. Don't talk to them on the phone for no longer than five minutes. I'm serious. Because if you don't, you're going to get caught up in a vortex of bullshit. And next thing you know, you're upset. Just ruined your whole fucking day. You can wake up in the morning, smile on your face, had a good night's rest. You said, fuck it, I'm going to eat ice cream for breakfast. You go to work, you had a perfect day at work, you come home, no traffic. And then that difficult relative calls you when you get home. Your whole day going to Shitsville. The way you handle that is you lower or reduce your exposure to them. Trust me, this works. It works perfectly. That's step one. Number two. 
don't take what they have to say very seriously. Don't let it get to you. That's how they manipulate you to fall into their vortex of bullshit. Don't let them get to you, folks. If they're saying something that's going to reel you in with a guilt trip, you know, just be like, oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of an asshole that way, yeah. And then, you know, try to blow them off as soon as possible. You don't have to yell at them. You don't have to use profanity or bring up shit from 1989 on them. Just say, yeah, 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 I'm an asshole, yeah. Okay, well, I got to go right now. You know, nice talking to you. I'll catch up with you later. And then you hang the fucking phone up. Or you walk out of their house. Or you leave them standing there in the middle of the street. Or in the middle of the aisle in a mall or shopping center. Just get the fuck out of there. They won't see it coming. If you don't take them seriously. And they can see that you're not upset. Or you're not getting upset. They feel powerless. They lose their fucking power. And that's how you regain your power. By just not hanging around them. Just not taking shit personally. That's how you handle difficult people, folks. I've got people in my family that are difficult. I've got an aunt. She's 82, I think maybe 83 years old. This woman raised me since I was five years old over here in America. My family, as most of you don't know, are not from America. They're from the islands, specifically the Bahamas. My aunt came over here back in the early 60s during the Kennedy administration. I was born a few years later, and uh, she took me in because my mother at the time was not in parenting mode. She was on fuck around at the club mode. She was on it's your birthday mode. It was like it's your birthday playing every night with my mom's. She didn't give a fuck. I mean, she didn't, like, leave us in garbage cans or anything like that. She just left us at home while she went to the club at the ripe old age of two and three years old. That's the kind of shit my mom used to do. My grandmother seen it. She's like, this is out of control. You need to put it, be put in a stable environment. So she talked my aunt into it because my aunt, she couldn't have any children anyway. So... In a way, this would be like a little fantasy of hers. Hey, I have a son now, instant son. So I was brought over and I uh, stayed with my aunt. She raised me. Fucking ridiculous childhood I had with that woman. The bullshit I went through. Oh, man, how difficult that shit was. I think I probably would have had a better time in an orphanage. She used to beat the shit out of me when I was real young. Until one day, it dawned on her. Hey. This beating the shit out of him doesn't work. He's still fucking up. You know, so though she tried to try the psychological angle with me. We used to go to counseling and therapy together. Try to find out, you know, why is this dude so wild? You know, find some constructive way to discipline him. So she stopped beating my ass, which was a good thing. Because uh, I'm telling you... <laughs> The has woman that I used to care for that woman, she should still be in jail. <laughs> it was it was legendary, folks. I wasn't a nice kid now. I mean, I wasn't a total thug or anything like that. I wasn't going around spitting in people's coffee and shit like that. You know, 
I just went, you know, a little rough to handle because there was no man around to say, hey, knock it the fuck off. If I had a man around to say, knock it the fuck off, I probably would have because I would have been scared that he would have gotten my ass. But there wasn't a man around. It was just me and my aunt. The older I got, the more ridiculous I seen she was. It got to the point to where I figured it out. And I used to just get to her by not getting upset. I used to piss her the fuck off by just acting nonchalant about everything. Man, that really hated. She really hated that. Whenever I didn't get sucked into her vortex of pure rage, I'm just on the sideline like, eh, yeah, whatever you say, sure. Why not? And I have a, like a little smirky smile on my face, a little shitty grin. Oh, man, I made her even more furious. It's the burner. But she was always a difficult person growing up. She was difficult. I got the fuck out of there at 17. You guys know the story when I joined the military. Yeah, that's why. I didn't go back since. I think I went back for like a week or two on leave just so I can get a reminder of why the fuck I left. And she gave me a refresher course. And I was like, oh, oh, yeah, now I remember why I got the fuck out of here. And I left again. I hadn't went and looked back since. 17 years old. Never moved back in. I didn't even move back to the same state, let alone the same house. I got out the military and moved up north. I left her down south in Florida because she was just difficult. She likes to bring up shit from the 80s. In the 70s. I remember one time when I was growing up with her. I think I was around, I don't know, 11, 12 years old. Having a particularly hard time being around her. And you know, little children, you have your little fantasies about your pops. You know, if he's absent, you figure, oh, you know, if he only knew I was here. If I can just let him know that I want to come live with him, he'll, he'll rescue me. So I wrote this letter to my pops. Asking him, to get me the fuck out of here because this woman was crazy. I never did mail the letter. I just kept it in my drawer. Guess who found that letter like 20 years later? <laughs> Guess who reminded me about that letter 20 years later? Yeah, my aunt. That shit happened like 20 years and she still harbored anger about that. She still was hurt. 20 fucking years later, a letter of a 12-year-old, and she decided to express how hurt she was to me. I'm a grown-ass man now, out of the military and everything. She's still fucking hurt off a letter of a 12-year-old. Like, really? You're still pissed off about that shit? God damn, woman. <laughs> you hold some serious grudges. Wow. And then it dawned on me one day as an adult. Dude, you got to cut her off, man. You got to, if you can't cut her off, at the very least, reduce your exposure to her significantly. You know, I remember one time she got upset. It was some dumb shit. Uh, it was her birthday. I never did remember the exact day of her birthday. I just know it was in the beginning of April. So I said, you know what? <sighs> Let me go ahead and buy her one of those teddy bear things and you know, the one that you can send for somebody's birthday and it's got candy and nice words in it and shit. 
I spent like about 70 bucks on that sent it to her. I think it got there a day or two late after her birthday. She was furious. She didn't call me. She stopped writing me. I figured, oh, okay, well, maybe I sent it a little bit too late. I don't know. She'll cool off and we'll start all over again in about a week or so. Two months went by, nothing. Six months, nothing. I said, all right, you know what? Let me have my sons write her a letter because they rarely kept in contact with her at all. They wrote her a letter. No response. She's pissed up at my own children now. <laughs> That's a legendary grudge right there, folks. She hates everybody in my house because that teddy bear came two fucking days late. Everybody in my house is in trouble. I was like, wow, I guess this is it. And then a big weight just lifted off my shoulder. I'm like, wow, I guess she cut me off for good. I wanted to celebrate. I felt like buying some champagne that night. Pop a couple of bottles. Drink some Cristal. Because I was free. Year passed. Two years passed. Three. Four years passed. Nothing. I was just living it up, man. I was enjoying it. I had a lot of personal shit that was going on with my family at that time. She wasn't around, so, you know, to support, you know, my family. Wife had got sick at one point. Son had to go to the hospital, get some major surgery at one point. Nowhere in sight was she. No letter, no phone call, nothing. I say, oh, okay, fine. I guess I'm on my own with this. Four years that shit went on. And then out of the blue, she gives me a call. Hey, how you doing? As if nothing happened. <laughs> what a sociopath. As if nothing fucking happened. So, what y'all been up to? Oh, you know, nothing much, you know. That's some major surgery for my son, and my wife was undergoing chemotherapy there for a little while, but everything is all right now, you know, we're doing okay. I said this shit so nonchalant. You know, to let her know that she really missed out on some major shit that happened in my life. And she wasn't around. I don't know if she felt guilty or not. Maybe a little bit of it. I don't know. So that went on for a little while. We would write each other. I mean, uh, talk, call each other on the phone. She'll get pissed off at me and I just fall right back into that cycle. She's the type of person if you don't call her immediately within a couple of days, she's fucking pissed at you. If you don't write her within a couple of days, she's fucking pissed at you. You're an ass. Anybody's an asshole. Everybody's an asshole if they don't respond in her timely manner. My older brother and I, we've learned to just don't give a fuck after a while. Let her get mad. Fuck it. We got more important things to think about. Finally, I just broke down and I wrote her a four-page letter. Uh, letter. I said, you know what? It's not that you're a bad person. You're just not a fucking kind person. Nobody wants to hang around a person that's not kind. And you, madam, are not a kind person. That's exactly what I put in the letter. Four pages of that shit. I told her she wasn't kind or she wasn't nice. I think it was nice. That's what I put in there. Not kind, but nice. She's just not nice. I tried to soften the blow. I said, you're not evil. You're not bad. You're just not fucking nice. And you can capture more flies with honey than you can with vinegar. And I mailed the letter, you know, and I rarely write letters, folks. 
I mean, rarely. And she got it. I didn't hear for, from her in a couple of weeks. And I figured, oh, uh, I guess she's pissed off again. And then, you know, I got a phone call from her and we started talking. We avoided that subject altogether. She pretends she never even got the letter, so I didn't bring it up. If she didn't want to talk about it, then fine, I didn't talk about it. But I know she got it, and I know she probably read it like 15 fucking times, looking for discrepancies, looking for shit to pick out of it. She couldn't probably find anything. And she knew that I was telling the truth, because I'm pretty sure she reflect on her life, on the people she ran away from her. Her own fucking husband couldn't stand her anymore. He got the fuck out of there. He couldn't stand, you know, this little five foot two woman with the mouth the size of a fucking jaws screaming profanity at him and shrill profanities. You know, voice just echoing throughout the house, throughout the neighborhood, next door neighbor listening to this shit. He was like, you know what? Get the fuck out of here. That's not exactly turning me on. I'm out of here. I'm going to find a woman who don't do shit like that, who don't scream at me, who don't push my fucking buttons. Yeah, she was volatile, man. When she was married, I remember when I was young, her husband was there. His His name was Carl. Carl was a big dude, man. I say he was probably 6'2", 6'3". And I swear to you, his voice sounded like Barry White. Really deep fucking voice. I mean, he had the kind of voice that James Earl Jones would be like, damn, that motherfucker's got a deep voice. That's how his voice was. Real tall, extremely dark dude, you know, blacker than Wesley Snipes. I mean, really dark. He was, he was from Cat Island, Bahamas. And he was a hard worker, though, man. I remember him being a hard worker. He was a hustler. I remember one, um, he used to own a fish truck. And he used to sell, he used to buy fish wholesale and dry that fish, that refrigerated fish truck around. It was like a box truck and it had like the name of his company on the side of the truck. And he would go and sell this fish that he would buy wholesale to different restaurants and whoever. When that wasn't doing too as well as he wanted, then he got into the cab driving business. So he learned the business, and I think in the first few months or a year. Next thing you know, he bought his own fucking cab. The guy was enterprising. If I were to look back now, when I think about it, the guy was a superman. He really was. Bought his own cab, and uh, he just had a contract, I guess, with the dispatcher. They would get a percentage, but he got the lion's share of the fare. Then he came up with this idea, hey, I can only drive a cab, what, seven, eight hours a day. What about the other uh, 16 hours? So what he did, he hired two other people. This is back in the fucking 70s. He hired drivers. And these drivers were white for the most part. I guess he didn't trust black drivers. I don't know what his hang-up was on that. I guess I had to ask him. But he had these white guys that were driving for him. And he I swear he had that fucking car on the road 24 hours a day. He drove the first shift. Second shift, he had this other guy drive the second shift. Third shift, he had a guy driving all night. In the morning, the guy would drop the car off. And uh, I remember seeing uh, Uncle Carl used to get the paperwork and he used to check the paperwork and make sure everything was straight and make sure the guy wasn't trying to cheat the shit out of him. A lot of them were. And he fired a lot of fuckers. 
but for the most part, he kept it on, he kept it on point. I remember one time he was uh, counting what he had made that week, and he got the money and he spread it out on a kitchen table. And there were like stacks of twenties that covered the kitchen table. He had like about thirty stacks of twenties. Each stack probably contained about ten twenties, and he had thirty of them. This was back in the fucking seventies. You don't know how much money that is. Thousands of dollars in the seventies. This guy was making thousands. You know, in the seventies and eighties, if you made ten thousand dollars a year, you can buy a home and a new car every three or four years. That's how the economy was back then. I remember gas in the seventies being like twenty-five cent a gallon. My aunt used to fill up her gas guzzling Chevelle fucking twenty dollar gas tank. I mean a twenty gallon gas tank for five fucking dollars. She put five dollars in and it wasn't she she didn't buy unleaded gas. She bought that toxic shit. That leaded motherfucker. That's what she bought. That's when they used to sell leaded gas. That shit was just packed with lead. But it was cheap as fuck. A twenty gallon gas tank for five dollars. Really? She couldn't put no more in there. It should be oozing out of the tank. When you look at the, I remember looking at the uh, the gas pump, the money part, which was on the top row, and then the gallon part was on the bottom row, right? The money part would move a fucking super slow motion. The gallon part would just be whizzing by. It'd be a fucking blur. That's how cheap the fucking gas was. It's the other way around now. But uh, he was making thousands of dollars back in the 70s. I mean, really doing well. And I remember seeing my aunt looking at the money and she would hug him and she'd be real romantic, real nice after seeing all that money at the end of the week. But that wasn't enough. (laughs) She still got in his ass about dumb shit. He got tired of it eventually and he started fucking around. She found out where the chick lived. I remember sitting in the backseat of her car and she driving around the neighborhood and we drove by the chick's house. She just wanted to see if his car was there. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> this fucking days of our life shit. I'm like six, seven years old looking at this days of our life bullshit play out in front of me. Next thing you know, he moved the fuck out. Couldn't take any more of her mouth. Her mouth was like a fucking snake pit. Bit the shit out of you. She knew how to push people's buttons. You know how she learned how? She learned it from my mom's, my grandmother. Push the shit out of your buttons. My grandmother was the queen of toxic people. And my aunt grew up under that. She went to the University of Toxicity. And she knew how to dispense that shit at will. She weaponized language. She really knew how to piss people off. So she ran him away. Next thing you know, they sold the house. She split the property from the house and she bought her own house. And here I am. She's dragging me along with her. Now I'm stuck in this house with her. I'm like, you know, nine, ten years old. She's starting over again. And uh, I spent like the next seven or eight years just tolerating this bullshit from her. Now, don't get me wrong. It wasn't wasn't bad all the time. But I say at least 60% of the time it was pretty, pretty tense. 
And then like 25% of the time, it was really fucking bad. I remember one time she was yelling at me in the car. And I'm like, please, just just stop the fucking car so I can get out. I think I was like, I don't know, 13, 14 years old. She's like, no, no, I'm not stopping this car. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm, I'm trapped in this shit, really? So I'm opening the door while she's driving 30 miles an hour, right? And she's like, close my fucking door. What do you think you're doing? Blah, blah, blah. I said, look, stop the fucking car. I'm jumping out of this thing. I'll tuck and roll, I swear. I don't give a fuck. After about two or three minutes of that, threatening to tuck and roll out of there, she finally pulled over. The car didn't even come to a complete stop. I think she slowed down to like 10 miles an hour. I'm like, fuck it, that's slow enough. And I tucked and rolled out that bastard. (laughs) You know how annoying you have to be for somebody to tuck and roll out of your fucking car? You got to be fucking annoying to do that shit. And I was 13, 14 years old. I couldn't tolerate it, man. I had to get the fuck out of that car. That's the kind of childhood I had, folks. <laughs> That's why I joined the Army at 17. I couldn't wait. I graduated in June. I was going to basic training in September. You know, I I, I would have went sooner, but that was the earliest slot that they could put me in. I, I couldn't deal with her, man. And here I am, 30, 40 years later. I still can't deal with her, but I've learned not to. I left her the fuck alone. I stopped calling her. She calls me now, and she gets the message. She keeps the, the, the discussion down to about seven or eight minutes, ten tops, and then she says, oh, okay, well, I'll talk to you. Yeah, yeah, okay, bye. And even just ten minutes to me is a drain but I'm just tolerating speaking to her for 10 minutes. I'm just tolerating it. I'm not speaking to her for 10 minutes because I want to. I'm just doing it because, you know, I'm trying to be nice, I'm trying to be kind. You know, like I said earlier, I'm a kind guy. So I tolerate it for 10. It looked like she's going over 10, then I'll cut it off. I'll be like, look, I, I got, got some things I got to go do. So I'll talk to you later, you know, but then, you know, I hang up at that point. But uh, I think over the years, the older she's gotten, the more reflective she's gotten. And she's like, I ran a lot of good people away from me. I just didn't know when to shut the fuck up. I ran my own nephew away from me. I raised him. He don't even want to talk to me. You're goddamn right. I got brothers and sisters. I got five, yeah, five other siblings. She doesn't talk to any of them. I'm the only one she talks to. She doesn't talk to them because of some bullshit that happened some back in the 90s. Some dumb shit, you know, had to do with her mother. They, and, and, and her mother, of course, is our grandmother. And it was a little power uh, pull going on back then, you know, who's going to have the last say-so, who's going to take care of grandma. My aunt was like, well, this is my mother. I got the last say-so. And my siblings were like, well, this is our grandmother, you know. We, we, we want what's best for her also, you know, so it was that back and forth shit going on. And um, as a result of that, it split the family. My grandmother didn't, you know, she finally died and um, they couldn't even sit by each other uh, in the church, in the pew. It, it was ridiculous. And to this day, they don't speak to each other. And that happened back in the fucking 90s. I'm the only sibling out of six that keep in contact with her. 
because she's fucking difficult, folks. Just mean and ornery. Quick to be upset. I mean, her temporal level, it'll go from zero to 190 in like three seconds. That's how fast she gets upset. And she really takes that shit to the extreme, you know. And I, I, I just I just had to leave her alone, man. I've got other people in my family who uh, who think I'm an asshole, too. I've got stepdaughters that can't stand me. And I'm cool with that. I was a shitty stepfather. I didn't, you know, abuse them or anything like that. I just didn't know what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> Nobody gave me a manual on how to raise other people's children. I fucked it up, but good. They still don't talk to me. They're in their 40s. I avoid them. They avoid me. That's all we get along. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's sad, man. It's so sad. It's fucking funny. You know? And I'm not the only person who has shitty family members. You know? I'm, I know that. But, uh, you know, it's a learning experience. I never do that shit again. If you listen to the broadcast, take my word for it. Do not, under any circumstances, take care of anybody else's children. Don't marry their moms or their father and assume you're going to co-parent. That's a fucking recipe for disaster. You're going to be ass out in no time. I know what some some of you are thinking. Well, I'm dating so-and-so and and, uh, I see their children on the weekends or throughout the week and we get along pretty good. Some of y'all may even be living with them right now. You're not married, though. And... Their kids are like, hey, hey, you know, we're cool. Yeah, hey, we're glad you're here. As soon as you put the fucking ring on, all bets are off. Trust me. It's going to be shitsville <laughs> as soon as you put the ring on. Trust me, folks, you don't want to do that shit. You want peace of mind? Stay away from people with children, underage children. I tell my sons that, hey, if you're going to date, fine. But do not get heavily involved with a woman that has underage children. That's a fucking nightmare. Don't do it. There are some exceptions, of course. You know, exception number one, if that child is like under two years old, okay, if the child is under two years old and the biological father is not involved and doesn't want to be involved, doesn't pay child support or anything, he's just absent, and he doesn't mind signing the rights, his rights away, and you want to adopt a child, fine, go for it. Still only a 50-50 chance it should have worked, but hey, it's better if they're under two. Anything over two or three years old maximum, that child is going to be cognizant of what's going on. It knows you weren't here earlier, and then all of a sudden you're here. Who's this fucking dude banging my mom's, barking out orders at me, and I'm supposed to do what he wants me to do? I don't think so. Yeah, you're going to be in for a real treat. You do that shit. Stay away. I tell girls the same thing. Stay away from a dude that has underage children. That's a general principle for both sexes. Do not get involved in anybody that has underage children. Not just for your peace, but for the children's peace. It's pretty fucked up that uh, children have to be in a single parent home. Their mom and pops couldn't get it together. So they they live with one or the other. 
and children have this fantasy that, hey, one day mom and pops are reconciled and they get back together. Yeah, right. Maybe you hit the fucking lottery while you're at it. But children don't understand that. And they keep holding on to that fantasy. It's better to let them keep holding on to that and don't get involved. If you really find somebody and you're really into them, and let's say they have teenagers, let's say the teenagers like, you know, 14, 15 years old, here's what you do. You don't fucking see them while you're dating. You just date the parents and you just date for it until that teenager turns 18. When they turn 18, you just fall through the roof. Just just drop out of nowhere and say, hey, I'm banging your moms. How your kids doing? Well, hey, I'm bagging your pops. We don't like you. Well, you're 18, so get the fuck out of here. You don't like it? Get the fuck out of here. You're 18. You don't have to stay around and look at my face. That's how you do it, folks. But if they're under 18, nah. Leave that shit alone. I found that shit out the hard way. I'll never do that shit again. I'd rather be in a persistent vegetative state than be a fucking step-parent again. No way in hell. There's not enough money. No thank you. I've already fucked it up once. I don't want to go down that road again. But uh, I'm pretty sure I got other family members other than my uh, stepdaughters who think I'm an asshole. And that's fine. I'm comfortable with that. doesn't bother me. You know, somebody comes up and say, I'm an asshole. I might want to ask why. And then if they have a good reason, I'll be like, okay, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I'm an asshole, yeah. Sorry. Am I going to change? I don't know. I'm not really motivated at this point. Too fucking old being the way I am. I'm just too settled in. Maybe 20 years ago, I might have, eh. Okay, fine. I'll curb this and I'll curb that. But now, fuck it. I have a tough enough time dealing with strangers. Now you want me to be nice to you because you're a family member? I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't go out of my way to be an asshole. I still try to be a little considerate. But uh, you got to meet me halfway. You know, I might do a 90 degrees tops. I'm not doing a 180. 90, maybe. 180, nah. 360, out of the question. But you got to meet me halfway. At some point, you got to say, you know... This guy's going to be an asshole. And uh, you just have to decide, do I want to hang around this guy some more? Do I want to come to the parties and he's there? You know, you got to make a decision. I've already made my decision about several family members. You know, some things I'm just not going to do. I'm not going to go to a party with them there. Sometimes I would. It depends on what the party's about, how many people is going to be there. If they're like 40 or 50 people or more, yeah, I'll go. Is there like less than 20? Nah. That means my exposure to you is going to be even more. But if I see you at the party and it's 30 or more people there, you know, I'll be cordial. Hey, how you doing? Hey, nice seeing you. Looking good for your age. You know, a little shitty conversation like that. I'm not going to be frowning at you from across the room. That's That's a... <laughs> Hey, that's something a bitch dude would do. I'm not a bitch dude. I'm not going to be frowning at you from across the room, sucking my teeth and rolling my eyes and shit. I'm too old for that bullshit. I walk up to you. Hey, how you doing? Still don't like me, huh? I, I understand. Sometimes I feel that way too. And then I just keep it moving. I don't sit there and dwell, bring up shit from the 70s. Nah. 
I just don't get along with you. You don't get along with me, fine. You don't like me, that's cool. I'm not particularly crazy about you either. But hey, that's how it goes. I'm not going to dwell on this shit. I think if more men did that, that's what we used to do when I was growing up. Nowadays, men are too fucking sensitive. But if more men did that, I think the, this would be a better place. This would be a better place to, uh, to grow up because you have men who act like men instead of acting like little whiny bitches. Well, I don't like him. I don't like what he said. Shut the fuck up. Take it like a man. So the guy called you an asshole, big deal. That shit going to ruin your paycheck? Is it affecting your bills? Is it have any effect on your health? No? Then shut the fuck up and keep it moving, dude. Now, you know, if I'm going somewhere and you're all up in my face yelling a bunch of dumb shit, yeah, I'll probably just do a 180 and get the fuck out of there. I don't have any time to argue. I'm trying to be an old man. One of the secrets of being an old man is just learning when not to give a fuck. And I've been doing a lot of that lately. Not giving a fuck. And uh, it's liberating, folks. You got to try it. It's real liberating. You have to do it with, you know, family members. You have to do it with friends. You have to do it with coworkers. You have to do it with boss. You know, you have to do it with people who are bringing you food from the kitchen and the restaurant sometimes. You just got to learn how not to give a fuck. It's a skill set that you have to learn. It took a long time for me to even grasp the concept. But now that I have it down pat, I'm like a professor of that shit. I really don't give a fuck. I'm to the point, you know, people call me a name. I'm like, eh, what are you going to do? And I just keep it moving. <laughs> hey, you fucking nigger. Yeah, fuck it. No, you know, I might have a bad day and I might lose it. If you call me the N-word in public, yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to give you three cents worth. No doubt about it. I'm not perfect. You might catch me on an off day. But most of the time, I'm like, meh, fuck him. He don't like me. She don't like me. Fuck him. What are you going to do? And I just keep it moving. Trust me, that kind of attitude, keep your blood pressure down. You live longer. You have less illness. The world just looks a lot more peaceful. You know, more positive things happen to you when you learn just not to give a fuck about some of these people. Give a fuck only about people who are nice to you, who are kind to you. Those are the people, you know, if, if fucks were money, that's who you spend them on. Spend your fucks on people who are nice, who are kind. People who are not nice and who are not kind, don't spend your fucks with them. Don't give them any fucks whatsoever. But the good people, yeah, splurge on them. Spend as much as you can on them. They're the ones that's going to keep you happy. They're the ones that's going to keep you content. They're the ones who's going to look out for you, help you out when you're down. I know some of you out there, well, you know, my mom's kind of an asshole. My dad's kind of an asshole. My sibling's kind of an asshole. Well, you know, we can't pick our moms. We can't pick our fathers or our siblings. People are people. Just because they're related to you by blood don't mean that you're owed them anything. You know, if my moms and, and, and my fa my father, if they were cool people, I would have been I would have been cool with them. I wouldn't 
you know, forgotten about the past and say, all right, we're adults now. So let's, you know, do this shit right as adults. He didn't do a good job when I was a child and somebody else had to raise me because you didn't know what the fuck you were doing. So now that we're adults, let's do it right. Unfortunately, it didn't work that way. So <laughs> they didn't give a fuck. I didn't give a fuck. My father just died recently. My brother went to his funeral. I didn't go to his. And you want to know something funny? He didn't go to his father's. Yeah, man, it's just a tradition now. <laughs> his father was a rogue dude, man. That guy was an ass. I mean, a total ass. I can tell you stories about him. Maybe one day I will. My grandfather on my father's side, a fucking mason. He was a foreman who was in charge of a construction company. Big man. A lot of women like him. He had power. This guy had money back in the 40s and 50s. He was, a, like I said, he was a mason. He knew all the secret shit. Respected in the community. Other men wanted to be him. Women wanted to be around him. But he was a fucking asshole to his children. <laughs> because he didn't take care of them. That guy was a straight dick. And my father was like, you know what? I'm not going to that ass's funeral. And he didn't go. Everybody else did, but he didn't go. And the ironic part is my father wasn't that great of a dude himself. He didn't do too much for me. I mean, he brought me in the world. That's about it. We've had uh, discussions. I tried to reconcile our uh, relationship back in the 80s when I was uh, in the Army. I had just left Korea. I thought I'd go and leave and go visit the old man because I suffered like hell in Korea. I really caught a lot of hell over that place. I hated them people over there. Not the Korean people in general, but some of the Koreans and most of the people in the military. I just, I just didn't like them masses. It was a tough place. And uh, when I left, I decided to go visit him. And I did. And he was uh, a police acting police chief on one of the outer islands in the Bahamas. And uh, he had this girl that he was dating. The chick was maybe a couple of years older than me. <laughs> he was boning her. They living together. And uh, I remember we went on a drive, sitting in a Jeep. And he'd give me a tour of the island. And I was like, you know, uh, I was kind of hoping you would... Get me out of that fucking madhouse living with my aunt. I really caught a lot of hell with her. You know, he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't do it, and blah, blah, blah. You know, I figured, okay, this is going to be a start of a new relationship. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're going to begin fresh again. I was ready for that. I was receptive. As soon as I left the Bahamas, no fucking word. No phone calls, no letter, nothing. <laughs> It's like, fuck that dude. I'm glad he's out of my house. And I can go back to boning this chick. <laughs> oh, man. What a fucked up life that is, huh? A selfish father. Sociopath moms. You know, I had to raise, I was raised by her. her uh, I wouldn't say that my aunt was a sociopath. She was more like a bipolar. <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck bipolar was. I just grew up under it. It took me years becoming an adult, reading different shit, and I hear terms every now and then, and I heard bipolar. I'm like, oh, that sounds like my aunt. 
<laughs> I read, I read the symptoms. It was her to a fucking T. I like, oh man, sociopathic mom, a bipolar aunt. <laughs> My father, he's more like a, uh, I would say a narcissist. Yeah, because he was in the bodybuilding. It was all about him. He had a fucking picture album full of bitches that he fucked from Canada to to the Bahamas. <laughs> he used to show it to his children like they were fucking badges of honor. Like, really? <laughs> you fucking asshole, man. You're an asshole. Why would you show that to your sons? A fucking narcissist misogynist, dude. <laughs> All you fuckers need therapy, man. You guys are fucking ruined. And, uh, you know, I didn't, I'm not going to sit up here and claim that I'm unscathed. I came out of that with none of that in me. But at least I'm intelligent enough to do some self-examination and figure, hey, I think these kind of things or I act this way because I was exposed to this. So that's not cool. People don't like it when I do this or say that. So let me stop doing that shit. And for the most part, I have. Some stuff I keep with me because it's part of my personality and I like it. If I like it, I'm not going to change. Fuck it. I don't care how much you get mad. You don't like it? Fuck it. We don't have to hang out. We don't have to speak to each other. That's just how I am. I'm just not going to change. Some things you bring up to me. Hey, you know, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't say this. I remember one time uh, I was working in the hospital and uh, this real nice woman that was working there. She looked like she was half Asian, half black. And I was commenting to my coworkers. And I said, yeah, man, shoot. And she got that pretty chinky eyes, man. And so my coworkers were like, dude, that's not cool to say that. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you can't say chinky eyes. Chink is like, you know, an insult. I was like, I don't think that is, is it? So they said, look. What if somebody came up to you and they were just, they seen you and they like you and they were describing you to their friends and they say, oh yeah, he had that nice brown skin and them nice thick nigger lips. How would you feel if she said that you had nigger lips? And I'd be like, okay, (laughs) I get it now. (laughs) I don't think I want anybody describing me with nigger lips. So I stopped calling her chinky eyes and I stopped using the, the word chinky a lot. You know, it's it. Uh, you know, I used to use it quite often. Now, I rarely use it. I'm only using it to describe bad Asian people, not Asian people, in, in, you know, as a whole, but a particular individual Asian that's doing some fucked up shit. Yeah, I might call them a chink. I do the same thing with black folks. I call certain black folks niggers because of the actions that they've done or the things that they've said. But for the most part, no. It's not my daily lexicon to use the N-word or to say the word chink or anything like that. Um, But like I was saying earlier, I at least am intelligent enough to do some self-examination. And I realized uh, kind of a shitty childhood I had. I mean, it wasn't brutal, but it was kind of shitty on the psychological part of it. It's pretty shitty. And... uh, I think that's why I got the hell out of there at uh, 17 because I knew it was a shitty situation. It wasn't normal. And my instinct was telling me, get the fuck out of here, but quick. And I did. 
And I met some shitty people on the way <laughs> when I was in the army. Some really gruesome, gritty, greasy dudes, man. Dudes, you wouldn't want to leave your children or your daughters around, man. These dudes were fucking pedophiles and whatever. I met some really dredges of society in the army. See, they don't really test you in the military to see if you got any fucking morals. They just want to make sure, hey, he doesn't have any uh, police record. He's physically fit. He graduated high school. He's in. That's what. We're all, that's all we need. You can be a jackass, sociopath. They wouldn't care. And uh, so, yeah, I met some pretty rough people. People that made my aunt look good. <laughs> uh, but I still didn't go back. I got out of the Army. I moved up north, left my aunt down there in Florida. Every now and then, you know, we speak on the phone. I might call her an Uber ride so she can meet her doctor's appointments. You know, she's getting up there in age. She's not living with anybody. She's living by herself. She's too fucking honorary to live in an assisted living situation. She doesn't want people all up in her face like that. She's suspicious of every fucking body. Everybody trying to steal her money. That's her psychology. She doesn't like anybody coming to, you know, to her home unexpectedly. If you knock on her door unexpectedly, she's not answering that shit. She's going to be right there in the living room looking at TV. You can bang on that fucker and she still won't get up. That's just how she is. Very hypersensitive. Still the same way. Still the same after all these fucking years. What are you going to do? That's her makeup. So, in closing, i just like to say, recognize difficult people for who they are. If they're difficult and they're giving you a hard time, and they have a pattern of doing that shit, you need to leave them alone. You need to decrease your exposure. If you don't really need to be around them, don't be around them. If you don't owe them anything, don't be around them. If they're family members and the rest of the family will frown upon you if you're not you know, in contact with them, fine. Just be around them intermittently, you know, every two or three weeks for like five or ten minutes and then get the fuck out of there. Just to show your face. That's all. But if you really don't need them like that, cut them out. They got to go. I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for listening in. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to my email at the 2 wildpoliticalpodcast at gmail.com. That's the, the number two, wildpodcast at gmail.com. Peace. <laughs>